Good morning, church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with you this morning. We're going to have a baby dedication today, by the way, which is nice. I like babies, okay? And I like dedication, too. Our uh, second reading this morning is from Romans chapter 12. I'll be reading uh, verses 1 through 13. I think that's in the ERV translation. It's in, it's in your uh, bulletins if you want to follow along. Hear the word of God. So I beg you, brothers and sisters, because of the great mercy God has shown us, offer your lives as a living sacrifice to him, an offering that is only for God and pleasing to him. Considering what he has done, it is only right that you should worship him in this way. Don't change yourself to be like the people of this world, but let God change you inside with a new way of thinking, then you will be able to understand and accept what God wants for you. You will be able to know what is good and what is pleasing to him and what is perfect. God has given me a special gift And that is why I have something to say to each of you. Don't think that you are better than you really are. You must see yourself just as you are. Decide what you are by the faith God has given each of us. Each of us has one body and that body has many parts. These parts don't all do the same thing. In the same way, we are many people, but in Christ we are all one body. We are the parts of that body. And each part belongs to all the others. We all have different gifts. Each gift came because of the grace God gave us. Whoever has the gift of prophecy should use that gift in a way that fits the kind of faith they have. Whoever has the gift of serving should serve. Whoever has the gift of teaching should teach. Whoever has the gift of comforting others should do that. Whoever has the gift of giving to help others should give generously. Whoever has the gift of leading should work hard at it. Whoever has the gift of showing kindness to others should do it gladly. Your love must be real. Hate what is evil. Do only what is good. Love each other in a way that makes you feel close, like brothers and sisters. And give each other more honor than you give yourself. As you serve the Lord, work hard, don't be lazy, be excited about serving Him, be happy because of the hope you have, be patient when you have troubles, pray all the time, share with God's people who need help, look for people who need help and welcome them into your homes. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father God, we um, are here this morning because you called us, and you called us from different places, and you called us from different kinds of weeks, you called us from circumstances, and you called us to be here in this sanctuary this day to take out this time from our week, to be focused on you, to be listening to you, to be gathered with your people. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would be here in this room and in each of our hearts and that you would have your way with us this morning. Lord, we dedicate this time to you. 
And we commit ourselves to you. And we pray that you are honored and glorified in this worship that we bring to you this morning. And I pray as well that we as a people would be strengthened and energized for the way ahead. Because we met with each other today. Because we met with you today. Because we read your word today. So thank you, God, for the invitation to be here. Meet us here in worship. Lord Jesus, we welcome you here in this room. You promised that wherever two or more are gathered in your name, that you would be there also. And so we welcome you to Huntington Valley Presbyterian Church this morning. Father God, we ask that you would be present with those of our numbers who are not able to gather here in this room. Those who are separated by distance or by sickness. We pray that the fellowship of the church would remain real and true, even though we're not in the same room. I pray that our hearts would be bound to one another, even as they're bound to you. Lord, bless our people and bless the communities that we live in through us. All to your glory. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I'm really thrilled that like the air conditioner's not on today. And I'm not hot. The windows are open, so we're not burning so much electricity. I like that. This week we're continuing in our series of sermons through the, uh, regarding the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Last week we began uh, talking about the gifts of the Spirit and uh, we learned a couple of things. We learned that everybody who is a Christian has the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, You have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't a a second anointing or a second blessing. If you are a Christian, you're only able to declare that Jesus is Lord because the Holy Spirit has already been at work in you. All right. So if you profess faith in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. And if you have the Holy Spirit, you also have gifts from the Holy Spirit. Every single person who has the Holy Spirit has received gifts from the Holy Spirit. Point number two. Now here's the weird thing about the gifts of the Holy Spirit is that those gifts are not for you. On your birthday, you get gifts. You get to open them. They're for you. People who love you pick that gift to suit you just right. Ah, but the gifts of the Holy Spirit are different because your gift is for me. Okay, And the Holy Spirit gives you gifts, not because of what you need, but because of what the body needs. Okay, So you've been gifted by the Holy Spirit, and that gift is to bless the people who are around you. Everybody who is a Christian has the Holy Spirit. Everybody who has the Holy Spirit has received gifts, and those gifts are for the people in your community, in your church. Number four, every part of the body of Christ and every gift that is given by the Holy Spirit is honorable. There's no hierarchy in the church. No one in the church is more important than anyone else in the church. Okay, The body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, requires all of the parts, and if some of the parts are not there, the body ceases to be a living body. Heads are important, I guess, but if your heart's not there, you're dead. Hearts are important, I guess, but if the head's missing, you're dead. So we need everybody and every 
part of the body of Christ is honorable. And so we give honor to all of the members of this church. And finally, Christian maturity, which is what we should all be striving for. I mean, it's nice if you profess faith in Jesus Christ, but if you're not living like a Christian, this is a problem. All right, We're called into the faith, but then we're called to maturity. We're called into the faith, and then we're called to holiness. And Christian maturity is about finding your place in the body. Figuring out, what's your gift? How can I serve with the gift that I have? So, Every last week we were asking all of ourselves, mm, what is it that God has given me to do within this body that he's united me with? Everybody who's a Christian has a gift from the Holy Spirit. The gifts are for helping other people. Every gift is important to the whole body. And Christian maturity is about finding your place in the body. That's what we talked about last week. What I want to talk about this week is about commitment and total commitment, complete devotion to Christ. Both of our readings this morning, Old Testament and New Testament, are about commitment and devotion. We have these gifts and we're going to deploy these gifts into the body of Christ because of our love for Christ. Let's take a look at some of these passages that we read. I want to, let me, if you've got your bulletins, you've got the text there in front of you. And so turn uh, to that First Kings passage. This is First Kings chapter 8. What's going on here is that the temple of Solomon is being dedicated. And King Solomon uh, has been praying. And notice how they pray, by the way. They pray down on their knees and they pray with their hands up in the air. Okay? I had somebody uh, talking to me two weeks ago about the proper way to pray. He was upset because someone wasn't doing it the right way. And so I asked him, do you get on your knees and put your hands to heaven? Well, no, he doesn't. Well, that's a biblical model for prayer. Okay? So Solomon prays. And then he offers a blessing to the people. This is at verse 56. Follow along with me. Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. Not one word has failed of all of his good promise, which he spoke through his servant Moses. Okay, so Israel was at a time... Not a people. They were just a ragtag assembly of slaves who were living in an alien land who didn't have their own institutions or their own place to live. They didn't own their property. They worked for someone else. They took the money. And after 400 years of that nonsense, they're delivered up out of Egypt and God gives them the law of their own. God gives them a land of their own. God gives them secure borders. They build this great city and they build a temple in the city. All of the promises that God had made to his people come true. Everything that God has promised them and they've, they've been given rest. You know, sometimes we feel besieged by the world. Like we're running all of the time just to keep our head above water. Like we're working really hard 
just to get by because someone is always breathing down our neck or someone is always on our back. How sweet will be that day when we can rest, okay? There's going to come a time when we're going to lay down the burdens of this life and we're going to rest and things are going to be the way they're supposed to be. It's not a good thing to be in this constant state of agitation and harassment. God has made us to be a people who are at peace and at rest. And for this season in the life of Israel, they have rest. And here they are on this great day of celebration in this beautiful temple that Solomon has caused to be built. And they're blessing the Lord because he has been a God who fulfills his promises. That is what I call the premise of the argument. Now let me give you the conclusion. If you look at the last verse of that same passage. Because of this, because of what God has done for you, because God has given you rest from your enemies, verse 61, therefore devote yourself completely to the Lord your God. You were nothing, and he made you into something. You were harassed and chased, and he gave you peace, and he gave you security. Because of that, devote yourself completely to the Lord your God. Well, what does that mean to you? To devote yourself, to commit yourself, to make the focus of your energy and your joy and your work to be this one person. The Almighty God who made it possible for you to enjoy this time of rest. Therefore, devote yourself completely to the Lord. doesn't say devote yourself partially to the Lord. Now, I'm a Sabbathtarian. I believe that we should take one day a week out and devote that to the Lord. I believe in the tithe. I believe the first 10% of your income does not belong to you. And if you don't give it to the Lord, you've stolen from the Lord. But here the charge is not to devote one day in seven to the Lord or 10% of your income to the Lord, but to devote yourself completely to the Lord. Everything that you are and everything that you're doing is given to God. Why? Because he's made it possible for you to live in peace. Because he's given you rest from your troubles. That's the argument there in 1 Kings chapter 8. Now let's jump to the New Testament because the New Testament says the same thing. And for those of you who think that the Bible falls into two parts, you need to know that those two parts are linked. Okay? Old Testament and New Testament are both the Word of God. Alright? And so the Holy Spirit speaks through both of those. The premise... Well, I'm going to read you the conclusion and the premise in Romans chapter 12. It's really there all in that uh, that first verse. So I beg you, brothers and sisters, because of the great mercy that God has shown us to offer your lives, living sacrifice to him, an offering that is only for God, pleasing to him. Considering what he has done, it is only right that you should worship him in this way. Now in this verse, the premise and the conclusion are mixed together. So let me pull them apart for you. The premise is because of the great mercy that God has shown us. Paul is writing to the church at Rome, people who were pagans, people who were on the road to hell, people who were alienated from God, people who had no hope. 
What happens to them? They hear the gospel. They're turned around. All of a sudden, they're plugged in to the people of God. They now have a, they have a hope. They have a legacy. They have a future. Rather than being on the road to hell, they're now on the highway to heaven. In light of that, because of this great mercy that God has shown you, offer your lives. One-tenth of your life? One-seventh of your life? No. Offer your whole life to God. Why? Because you wouldn't have a life otherwise. The whole thing is His. Alright? He is the one who's redeemed us. He's bought us out of slavery. We wouldn't have anything were it not for Him. And so we owe it all to Him. Because of the great mercy God has shown you, offer your life a living sacrifice. He doesn't want you to die. He wants you to live. He wants you to live well. He wants you to live as a Christian. Offering it to God. Offering it to God. Offering it to God. An offering that is only for God and pleasing to Him. One of the things that we see from the beginning to end in Scripture is that God is a jealous God. All right? God doesn't want us to have a side God. Alright? He's a jealous God. There's only one God. Okay, He's the God who made you. He's the God who made the whole universe. And if your eyes are focused on other little side gods who might be alluring and distracting, mmm, you're stealing something from the one true God. Only for the God, only for God and pleasing to Him. Considering what He's done, <coughs> it's only right that you should worship Him in this way. It's reasonable. It's rational. You'd be crazy if you didn't do it this way. In light of what God has done, if God has done something for you, if God's redeemed you, if God has snatched you out of the miry clay and set your feet on the solid ground, if God has bought you out of slavery to sin and to death, it's only reasonable that you would give him your whole life as a living sacrifice. Not 10%, not one-seventh of your life, but your, but your whole life. This morning I want to talk about this kind of total commitment to God. I felt very convicted by this reading this morning. I mean, I my job is in the church, and so, you know, you probably think that all I ever think about is the church, and the only book I ever read is the Bible, and the only talking I ever do is praying. But I felt convicted by this passage. Am I, in all of my life, committed to God? Is my whole life a living sacrifice? Have I devoted myself completely to God? Think about the different areas of your life. I mean, if you're here on Sunday morning, I'm glad you're here, by the way. I hate preaching to myself. I am preaching to myself, in case you didn't know. Preacher is always preaching to himself. But you get to listen. I'm glad you're here. But if you're not in church on a Sunday morning, 
whoo, you haven't, you're not even meeting a really basic commandment of scripture. Okay? We are commanded to not neglect the meeting. Okay? We're commanded to set what, one, one day a week aside. So I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad you're here. That's an important part of your life. I went through a little catalog as I was thinking through this, uh, this morning. I was thinking about, uh, what kind of commitments that I need to make in my life or, or what areas of my life perhaps I'm not fully committed in. I mean, is my commitment to a life of prayer and Bible reading, is that a total commitment? Or do I do it when I think about it or find time or have to do it because I'm hanging around with a bunch of other Christians and they've asked me to pray for them? I think I need to be committed to a life of prayer and to scripture reading. How about commitment to flee temptation? All of us are faced with temptation. You understand, of course, that temptation is not a sin. Okay, everybody's tempted. Jesus was tempted. But are we committed to fleeing temptation? When that thing shows up on the horizon, do we take off in the other direction? Or do we like, oh, linger around with it? We'll hang around with that temptation a little bit. We'll keep company with that temptation. Maybe we'll go looking for some of that temptation. Committed to fleeing temptation in our lives. How about commitment to our bodies? Your body is the temple of God, right? Your body does not, by the way, belong to you, which is why you're not allowed To treat your body like an object. Doesn't belong to you. Belongs to God. He made it. He redeemed it. One day he's going to raise it from the dead. And when we stand before the judgment seat, he's going to get, ask us about what we did with our body. How are you doing with your body? Are you taking care of your body as a steward would take care of the possession of another man? Do you drive it like a borrowed car? Okay, are you being careful with your body? Are you treating your body with the respect that it needs and the care that it deserves? I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm lucky to get to the doctor once a year. I'm not thinking about my diet. Well, I think about it, but I don't do anything about it. My diet. Exercise, not intentionally, all right? My wife this morning is is competing in a triathlon, all right, which is hilarious, okay? A triathlon, that's like, you know, swimming, biking, running, up in New York. She's up in New York this morning running a triathlon. Look at me, what am I doing? Am I thinking about my body? Am I committed to my body mm, as this vehicle that God has given me? All right? We only get a certain number of days. I would sure hate to shortchange the number of days that God had intended for me to live in this body because of my recklessness and to have to give an account to God of like, what was I doing? How about commitment to godly finances 
I'm really excited about uh, our new stewardship committee. Noel, Noel Wolf, who's a financial planner, is heading up a stewardship committee. Some people here in this room are, are parts of that committee. And they are really taking a kind of global view of a godly attitude toward all the stuff that God has given us, our time, talents, and treasures, how we talk about this. But are you using your money in a way that is worship to God? If God reviews your bank statement, is he going to say, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Or are we living for ourselves or are we living for something else? How about a godly commitment to finances? I was thinking of all of those things. Well, the other thing I was thinking about in that regard, how about my commitment to my family? I've got a pretty good family. I have a wife who's put up with me for 30 years. I've got three exceptional and very different children, each of whom has been a blessing to me. How committed am I am? How committed am I to my relationship with them? Am I working on that or am I taking those people for granted? Those of you who've been married for a while know that marriage requires work. Not because your spouse is difficult, but because you're difficult. Okay? It requires work, attention, thinking about how am I going to keep this relationship going? How am I going to keep it going over the long haul? Am I committed to that relationship? Do I believe that marriage between a man and a woman has been instituted by God and that God rejects divorce as an option? That's what Scripture says. Am I committed to my relationships? How about my relationships with my kids? How hard am I working on that? Mia lives in my house, which is nice, so I get to see her regularly. My son lives in South Philly. I don't. I got to see him last night. We were together last night, but I don't get to see him that much. Rosie, I get to see at least once a week because she comes to church here. Are we committed to our relationship with our kids? Hmm. Those kids we know we have received from Almighty God. We're going to be dedicating a child, a perfect child, to God this morning. I was thinking about all of those things as guarding the treasure that God has already given me. He's given me a basically healthy body. He's given me a really nice family. He's given me finances. He's given me an ability to flee temptation, and he's given me a love for prayer and scripture. Am I, am I committed in all of those things? Or are there things that I am being lax about? And then I think there's also commitment to the kingdom of God, to the growth of the kingdom of God. Are we committed to evangelism? Do our hearts break for people who are on the road to hell? Not everybody, according to Jesus, is going to heaven. All right? We need to be clear about that. Jesus is very clear about that. And yet we've been called to invite as many people as possible into the kingdom. To snatch a few out of the fire is how Scripture puts it. To grab them while we can because the time isn't forever. Are we committed to that or is that too much work? Or would we be embarrassed to open our mouths about Jesus? 
And our commitment to evangelism can't be the same as our commitment to the growth and the prosperity of our church. Let me clarify that. I hear a lot of prayers about the growth and the prosperity of the particular ministry I happen to be in. And I've heard them for as long as I've been a pastor. Oh, dear Lord, let this and this happen to this ministry. Why? Because I like that ministry. Because it's my ministry. Because I like it when people are singing around me. That's a commitment to me. All right? A commitment to evangelism is a commitment to, first of all, loving somebody who is outside of the kingdom of God and needs to be rescued. All right? So that's not a commitment. That's a commitment to the other person. And it's a commitment to the glory of God. Because here's the thing. God deserves to have worshipers. There are people this morning who are not worshiping God. I mean, they're crazy to not be worshiping God. But God deserves the worship of of the whole earth. Are we rounding up those worshipers, encouraging them to be in church, to sing the praises of Almighty God? Are we committed to that? I think there are parts of our lives, I know there are parts of my life, that I have not mm, totally committed to God. I don't keep a scorecard on this. But I know that I've got work to do. And after we're done preaching, we're going to spend a little time praying about this. We're actually going to have an altar call. Presbyterians don't do altar calls that often, so we are a little awkward about it. But we're going to, we're going to, partly because we don't have an altar. Okay, we have a, we call this a table. It's not an altar, so you can't have an altar call. There's no altar, right? But we're going to, we're going to go over there and pray. Those of you who want to pray about the things in your life that you need to commit Completely, completely to God. Here's what scripture says. Because of the great mercy that God has shown us, it is reasonable that we should offer our lives a living sacrifice to Almighty God. If you have been shown mercy by God, if you have come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you owe it all to Him. And I don't know if there's any part of your life that you have not yet laid on the altar, but I invite you to do that today. If there are parts of your life that you've been holding back from God, if there are parts of your life that you've been saying, well, you know, I'm going to keep this for myself. This is for, this, this part's for me and, you know, God can have that part over there. That's not what the Bible has called us to. The Bible has called us to total commitment. The Bible has called us to lives of holiness. The Bible has called us to lives of living sacrifice. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. I think I'm just going to uh, close us in a word of prayer. I'm going to invite the band forward. They can they can begin to uh, uh, sing through that song that we're going to sing together. But if you want to spend some time in prayer in prayer with me, I'm going to I'm just going to go over here and we're going to present with us. Lord God, I pray that we would be people who are committed to you.
committed to what it is that you would that you would have us do. And Lord, I pray that you would forgive us of holding back uh, from you um, what actually belongs to you. Um, and I pray that you'd give us hearts that are able to incline themselves to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can join me over here if you'd like. I'm just going to, I'm actually going to give myself a kneeling cue here. <laughs>